My name's Chris Lane. And I'm Claire Cook. And this is the Not Forgotten Podcast. So today we've got Andre with us again, with Chris and I, and we're going to listen back to Chris. It was a session that you did uh, over the conference and really brilliantly laid out what it is to minister in weakness and vulnerability and um, provision and perseverance. They were kind of some of the main themes that you brought out, which I loved. And how do we flourish in that place of weakness and fragility? So again, have a little listen and stick around at the end and we're going to have a chat and reflect on some of the thoughts that Chris brought to us. Good evening, everybody. Did you enjoy your food? Okay. Do I need to pray to get us all to be serious now? Um, tonight, tonight we want to do um, three, three things. Um, I just want to, I'm going to talk for a short time and then uh, Ben Woodfield is going to come and join me and um, we'll do a duet for a while. <laughs> and, um, and then we're going we're gonna to have a little bit of um, quiet and prayer and it's just going to kind of lead into a time of where we're just making a bit of space, really, for... So Sam's going to come. Um, big thanks to Th- Sam for doing the music for us. Um, Sam uh, has been working in the Groves Estate in Chester for the last eight years and just become the vicar of St Barnabas in Hattersley, Hattersley being a theme uh, recently. So if you want to join his team, go and have a chat with him. <laughs> um, and he's, Sam's just going to lead us in a, in a few songs of worship, and we're going to have time to reflect and pray, and just um, if, if people would like to receive prayer and stuff, we're going to make that little bit of space uh, after the, the talking. Um, and then after that, they'll be from about nine-ish, they'll light the fire pits, which are over just across the grass. Um, obviously, marshmallows will be available. And um, and the bar will be open, so do kind of use that time to have some fun and uh, chat to each other. Um, I want to just reflect a little bit on a couple of decades of planting and kind of pioneering in one estate in Salford, which is called Languithy. And I want to bring out a few thoughts around the themes of weakness and vulnerability and then some stuff about provision and perseverance. Um, how, do we, how do we live well when we do these things? How do we be sustainable? So some of what I want to talk about comes from my own experience of not always doing that well and kind of correcting that and getting, it, getting better at it. And also just working with people over the last six years, especially in through my theological college work um, with loads of people all over the country who are pioneering and planting into these kind of areas. And I said earlier, I do lots of kind of one-to-one chats, especially here. I feel like I live here because I work for two theological colleges and they both have the residentials here. So I'm literally going home tomorrow lunchtime and coming back here on Friday morning. <laughs> um, and I, but... I do lots of one-to-ones with different pioneers and planters, and 
The conversations often go in a similar way. Um, I'll say, how's it going? And they'll tell me, they'll take about 20 minutes to tell me loads of stories about what they've been up to, because they always tend to be cracking storytellers. And, uh, and so I'll listen to their stories and I'll feel inspired by them. Um, and, and then and they'll tell me, and then I'll say, how are you getting on? And, they'll, and then they'll tell me about the kind of missional challenges they're facing, you know, leading a team, making disciples, reaching new people. And then I'll say again, and how are you? And, and then they might tell me another story <laughs> so that they don't have to answer. But if they're feeling brave, they'll often say something like, and this happens so often to me, uh, they'll say something like, it's actually really tough, to be honest with you. And I've thought about quitting quite a lot. And I feel really lonely. And I feel like no one gets me in what I'm doing. And to be honest, I think if one more big bad thing happens, I'm going to just jack it in. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I kind of smile in a comforting and reassuring way, not like mocking them. Um, <laughs> And I think back on my own life and I think of probably about three occasions in the last 24 years when I've kind of hit that wall and made my secret exit plans. And, or I think about most Sunday nights when I have an adrenaline crash and feel like I'm rubbish at this stuff and why am I doing it? And um, I th reflecting over 24 years of ministry in one place, planting a church, uh, but well, we were firstly we were, we joined with the Eden Network to plant one of the first Eden projects. The second one, uh, which was in Salford, and then five years later, in 2004, we started Langwith Community Church, um, and all of that stuff. Reflecting back, I think it's possible to really thrive in this kind of ministry. I think I've been to loads of like urban. Um, forum things over the years and sometimes they're really depressing <laughs> um, sometimes it's like each speaker gets up and tells you how their uh, estate is worse than <laughs> yours <laughs> you know we're in the top this yeah, everyone knows their like church urban fund <laughs> statistics <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it's like the opposite of going to one of these um, church growth conferences where people say my church grew from 10 to a million, you know, in three weeks. And, <laughs> but but we, in, we say, well, my church has got the highest rates of this <laughs> or that. And, and everyone's like, wow, you're amazing. <laughs> and um, <laughs> we kind of compete. And, and sometimes people feed that as well. Like they'll go, oh, what a, what a sacrifice you've made. You know, what, what amazing people you are that you would give yourself to this place and to, to such a difficult thing. But I think probably all of you in this room would agree, this is a privilege, what we get to do. It's an absolute privilege to follow Jesus in that way. It's an honor to join in with what God is doing. So much joy to be found. There's so much hope and beauty. But I think the key for me is how we learn to live in a place of weakness and fragility? How do we learn to, to live in that place and to thrive in that place rather than struggling and always wanting to get out of it? Um, my, my prayer, especially in the early years of doing church in Languedy was um, I wanted to be strong and I wanted consistency and I wanted growth. And I was like, 
you know, and I think sometimes we get hampered by that, that kind of healthy things grow mentality. You hear it at these conferences and you're like, yeah, but also really unhealthy things grow um, and destroy your body. And um, actually really healthy things sometimes don't grow as well, depending on where they're planted or what stage they're at in their life cycle. And so we need to get away from that myth of healthy things always grow. Um, growth is dependent on context. It's dependent on calling. It's dependent on what season you're in. Um, it's not a sign of success or divine favor. For me, success is about faithful obedience to Jesus. Nothing more and nothing left. Who said preach then? Nice one. I like you. <laughs> um, I so, so often I prayed the prayer in the early years. God, if you would only give me this number of extra people in my church or team, if you could only give me this much money per month, if we could grow big enough so that I don't have to think about where the next bit of money is going to come from, where the next support for this thing that you've called us to do is going to come from, where my flipping energy is going to come from, um, why do I have to come back to you every day? You know, can't it last for, <laughs> for a year or two? And coming to the Bible, for that verse in 1 Corinthians 1, 27 has meant loads to us over the years. God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. And there's something that you learn when God calls us to this stuff is that God's really strong in our weakness. And the solution to our weakness is not for us to get stronger, bigger, more financially stable, more consistent, but to, to, to increase our view and our trust in the strength of God and the faithfulness of God. Um, in the Second Corinthians, Paul says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I'll boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. How many times do we see the power of God in our weakness? We've seen that so many times over two and a half decades that when we're at our weakest point, we see the most power that uh, come um, through the things that we do. We see the miracles. That's when the miracles happen. Um, if I think about this, my kind of best stories that I could impress you all with, they'll always come at the time of our weakness, our greatest weakness, when we thought it could be all over, when we thought that we couldn't go on. And that's when God does stuff. And that's why Paul says, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, hardships, persecutions, difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And I think for us as a church, what we've been discovering about weakness and fragility is that we can live well in that place. We can find joy. We do find joy and laughter. And there's so much laughter that we, we've... You know, I remember the, a year, four years ago, it's one of the toughest years that we've had in all the couple of decades there was so much laughter in that year as well. There was so much joy as we faced those issues, as we pressed into God, that he just gave us that thing that Claire said, the joy of our, the Lord is our strength. We've known that time and time again. Um, and there was a story that some of you might have heard me tell, but um, there was a lady in our community early on 
who um, decided that she wanted to enter Languither in the Britain in Bloom competition. And um, at the time, it, that was hilarious because um, when we first moved in in 1999, which is a great year, because I got married and United won the treble. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> praise the Lord. <laughs> Whatever. And... Um, and um, we, 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 moved, <laughs> we moved in then. And, um, oh, I forgot what I was saying now. Uh, and <laughs> wherever, <laughs> I was just thinking about that Solskjaer goal. And <laughs> whenever, um, wherever you looked, there was probably, I think, a third of the houses in the estate were empty because people had just moved out, boarded up houses everywhere. You could buy a house for a £1,000. What was yours, Andrew? Yours was about six grand, wasn't it? It was a bit expensive. Oh, no, that was the one we lived in that was six and a half grand. And we thought it was a bit too pricey at the time. Um, you know, smashed up cars everywhere, all sorts of things. And, and this lady thought, let's, let's go for Britain in bloom. And, um, and <laughs> we just thought it was a ridiculous idea. And so um, she, she just recruited everyone. She wasn't in our church, um, just uh, someone in the community. And... It was the days when the first Tony Blair government, when the government like gave money to the inner city, <laughs> it was amazing. And um, and she got this grant, and she bought three thousand hanging baskets, one for every house in the whole estate, and um, these massive planters um, that she put all down the two main roads that run through the estate, and um, and then she got the schools involved, the shops, uh, all sorts of different people, and. Um, this massive team together, and they all filled all planted in all of these baskets and in and in all of the planters, and um, the churches got involved and created all these mosaics. And um, I remember going round on the the day before the judges came when they when they completed all the flowers, taking pictures because I thought um, some someone tonight who. <laughs> Someone, one of like 25 young people that we come to our life center on, <laughs> on a Tuesday, they're just going to walk up and down those streets and just like do this and tip them all up. And um, they didn't. And, um, and the next day, everyone did these like street barbecues and all sorts of things. And the judges came round and Languidi was awarded like, I think it was the, the national award for inner city areas in Britain in bloom and they won it for 10 years in a row after that after that point and um it was a it was an amazing thing because you still had some glass on the floor and you still had the boards but there was this like vibrant beauty that was everywhere wherever you looked there was this this these colors these uh, this fragile beauty and for us it became like a parable about the kingdom of God in this place that even though it could, it feels like it could be destroyed by one person just walking up and down the streets, it isn't. And, and, and it stays and it remains and it flourishes and it grows. And, and, and there was something that God was doing within us in that moment through this lady who, I don't know whether she was a person of faith or not, who was just saying to us, here's some hope. <laughs> here's some hope. And, and it's like, it was like the community that had been um, they'd been kind of uh, sent into their houses, like people were hiding in the houses because there was such carnage on the streets. Um, and suddenly they started to come out and go, 
Maybe if she could do that and it lasts, that beauty, that fragile beauty lasts, maybe I could do something as well. And little projects started to emerge and, and people just used that as a sign of hope. And, and that's one of the things that has sustained us as a church, that idea that, yes, we can, we can believe for things, we can step out, we can be a people that, that, that are carriers of God's hope in these places. And so it's, it's learning to live with that fragility and, and knowing that, that we trust in God for that. Um, and, and there's something with that tipping point that happened for us in, in Languadé. Um, I, I was reading through the um, NRSV a couple of years ago uh, through the Bible and got to Isaiah 49. And there's a verse that the NRSV translates as, your builders outdo your destroyers. And that's, that's how it felt to us that suddenly the, the ones who wanted to build outdid the ones who wanted to destroy. And the destroyers don't go away necessarily altogether. But suddenly the community stands up tall again and just says, that is not acceptable. We're going to build. We're going to step out. We're going to trust. We're going to have faith. Um, and we get these glimpses of hope. It's like that process in Romans 5, you know, at the start of Romans 5, where it says going from suffering to perseverance to character to hope. And, and, and that's what we observed in our community, that, that the suffering that we'd been through led actually because of someone's courage to perseverance. And then perseverance formed our character. Uh, and, and then we moved into hope. And we get these glimpses of hope. And I think as, as people of faith, as, as those who God calls into leadership in different ways, it's our job to spot those signs of hope. It's our job to, to tell those stories, to find those stories and to tell them. Um, one of the things we've done in our church is just develop this culture of storytelling. So every single week we'll say, who's got a story about something that God's done this week? Uh, who's, who wants to tell us some good news stories? And sometimes you get some bonkers ones that you don't really want to be told. <laughs> One of our mates, Brian, came up once, big tattooed guy, and he was like, right, uh, I needed 100 quid, so I prayed, went into the bookies, and I won 100 quid. <laughs> so thanks to God. <laughs> and you're just like, thanks, Brian. <laughs> we'll talk about that another time. Um, and, and it just creates this like virtuous cycle where you get into this habit every week of reflecting back on your week and thinking, what did God do? Actually, what am I going to thank God for this week? And you learn to tell those stories. And then it propels you into the next week to go, I didn't have a story to tell this week. So what am I going to look for? How am I going to see God at work in my life this week? And, you know, Stephen Pass in Pilgrims and Priests, which is a very, very good book, recommended. He talks about the church in the secular West, the need for us to develop this spirituality of signs and glimpses, just looking for the signs and the glimpses of God's kingdom and celebrating them. You know, like the, the three parables in Luke 15, where it's just this big party happens over one thing, one lost coin, one lost sheep, one lost son. And, and, in what, in, and that's the thing about celebrating the ones and the twos that we need to do more and more of. One might not affect your parish statistics that much, but there's a party in heaven, and we need to have a party on earth to celebrate it with food. Always, always include food. Um, a mate of ours, um, Gordon, he came, started coming along to stuff we were doing um, 
when he was 62. Well, he told us he was 62. Turns out he was about 74. Uh, <laughs> and, and he used to come along to uh, our music nights. And, um, and, it, and he had this, he came to church one Sunday and then he came on the music night on the Friday. And he said, Chris, right, been sat here for an hour. And on Sunday, you talked about this thing where like, you can have an experience of God. And he was like, I've, got, I've had this weird feeling for an hour and I've realized what it is. I'm happy. <laughs> and he said, I've not felt this for years. Um, and then he came back to church that Sunday and we, ha- we were doing communion. And I, and I said to everyone, I said, Jesus welcomes everyone to his table. If you want to receive from Jesus today, come. And Gordon had never come for communion before at church. And he st- I saw him stand up with the others. And I, I had this really emotional moment when I looked along this line and I saw all these people, all with their own stories of brokenness and difficulty, all coming to Jesus' table to receive from him. And Gordon came and received and um, he said to me after, he said, um, and he was in his early 80s by then, and he said, um, that this is, he said, I've always felt like, because of what I've done when I was in the army, that I wasn't good enough for God, um, and I couldn't come. But then you said, Jesus welcomes everyone to his table. And so I came, and he said, this is the first time in my life that I feel like I belong. 80-odd years, the first time in his life that he feels like he belongs and that's what Jesus does. It's those little signs. I did, his, I did Gordon's um, funeral last year. Um, and, and as we celebrated his life, he always used to say to me, um, it's never too late, is it, Chris? It's never too late to come to God. And, and it wasn't a story that he was a 20-year-old guy and he's got this amazing future. It was just really late in his life, a little thing of someone that not many people took much notice of in the community. And yet that's the thing to celebrate that's what we did. That's, that's when there's rejoicing in heaven over these things. Um, and, and that's what we have to do. Um, the last thing I want to say before I get Ben to come is just about um, how God provides just enough for us. My mate Sam, who's been leading us in the singing, he calls it the miracle of just enough. I find it a bit annoying, that, actually. Why doesn't God give me, like, loads more? (laughs) Um, But it's like he just wants to give us enough for today, so we're reliant on him. Um, And it it drives us to our knees in prayer. And I think whether it's financially, whether it's in different ways, over 24 years, we've just learned that every day, every day. And every day that we see the provision of God, it reminds us that God is utterly faithful God is utterly faithful in the fragility. We can often think in our heads, wow, if that family left this church, this would all go to pot. You know, we wouldn't have enough money. We wouldn't have enough people to do this. Um, You know, it could all start to fall apart. And we can start to try and protect what we've got and go into like survival mode clinging on to people and trying to keep what we've got and then we miss what God's wanting to do because God's always pushing us outwards God's always helping uh, encouraging us to think outwardly and uh, but our focus can often be on the wrong things in the wrong places the focus has to be on the character of God it has to be on the faithfulness of God your mercies are new every morning great is your faithfulness um, on his works in, in our congregation um, just last thing to say, really, um, 
this kind of little, we had a bit of a crisis about four years ago in our church and a couple of massive pastoral issues that blew up and both at the same time and, and because of some hurt that had gone on because of the actions of a couple of people, a lot, quite a few people stopped coming uh, to the church and within a few months our Sunday attendance, which was a small church anyway, was probably about half of what it had been. Um, and a couple of people who'd come to faith through the church basically just kind of walked away from God and even to the extent of putting on Facebook that they weren't Christians, which obviously is, means it's real <laughs> because it's on Facebook, it's official. And um, we, were, we were devastated and for about nine months we were not really able to put on a public Sunday service but what we've seen over the last four years is just the utter goodness and faithfulness of God again. Um, and we've seen friendships restored that were broken in those times. We've seen people who were not a Christian on Facebook on their knees worshipping Jesus again and, 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 and back in relationship with him. We've, we're seeing people on the fringes coming to faith for the first time. We're seeing our young people rising up and taking leadership within the church. We had a youth Sunday a bit ago where we had an 11-year-old preacher and the worship group were 11 to 14. It's just amazing to watch. It's beautiful to see. We've seen incredible financial provision. And in these moments where it feels fragile, what we've learned is just to take a deep breath and to stop looking at who's not here and to focus on God. It's so simple but actually we, we forget, don't we? And we worry and we, and, we, and we stress and we think nobody understands this and nobody knows what we're going through. And, um, but the, the fact is either God is faithful or he isn't. And I'd just like to suggest that he is. <laughs> I don't know if that was controversial, but um, his power is made perfect in our weakness. His grace is sufficient for me. So, Chris, I love listening to you talk because um, I just love that you always tell a good story. And you gave us a couple of brilliant stories in uh, this session that you taught at the conference. Um, really great just to hear you talk from your experience around, you know, ministering and planting church in that place of weakness and vulnerability and looking for God's provision in that space and also persevering you know I think one of the things that I really respect about you is that you um, describe yourself as a pioneer who does new things in the same place over a long period of time and I, I hugely respect that about you and um, and your team you know and those that have sort of walked that journey with you because obviously you've not done that alone have you and um but always looking for the new thing that God is doing in the same space and so many of us would have got tired and felt called onto a new place and a new challenge you know or got bored or whatever um, because we don't see the results that we perhaps thought that we might see when we began you know I know you talk about that quite often too um and um but but when you speak about perseverance I know that you're speaking out of experience of that and so it really for me really rings true mm. yeah and I think it's um you just learn so much about God in those moments when, when you do feel like 
do you know what? It'd be a lot easier if I just moved on and did this or that. And people have asked me, do I, would I want to work here? Do I want to do this? And just the, the, the cool thing about plowing through those times is that with what you see on the other side, you know, the, the, the book, Not Forgotten That I Wrote, which is what the conference is named after in a way, um, that's kind of a whole, the whole book is really a reflection on um, a time when four years ago it felt like everything had fallen apart for us as a church and we were, loads of people had left and there was just this really difficult time and, and it's a, I guess it's just a few reflections on the lovely things that God did in that darkest time mm. and the laughter that we had and the joy that was there in those times and how an immersion in the scriptures helped us to walk through it and how friends helped us to do it and how coming to God in prayer helped us to be sustained um, and, and I think if that can be a little gift to others who are feeling like I'm a failure, mm. I've given up and that, I hear that so much from people especially working in the inner cities um, they'll often say to me I just feel like I'm a bit of a failure and I, I just have to remind them you're not you know yeah. and, and it's and if we if we think that the the bad things that happen depend on us Often then we think that the good things that happen depend on us as well and, and neither yeah. of them is true. Yeah, it's about so true. It's about Jesus. Yeah. yeah and just, just to jump on what Claire said, Chris, without this turning into the Chris Appreciation <laughs> fan club. <laughs> Let's be nice. careful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You could sign my copy of your book afterwards. But um, <laughs> just like when you, when you speak, you speak on vulnerability and you're being vulnerable like you know whenever you hear a talk or an address or sermon or whatever when you see someone actually demonstrating what they're talking about and you were being vulnerable and sharing about the tough times it's just so powerful and what i love about you is you really talk with enthusiasm like if someone who had been doing this work you know half as long as you if you know if they had half your enthusiasm i would say oh they're doing well but yeah. there's a real genuine joy and you yeah when you talk about finding the joy and finding out what God's doing and like really just following that, it's clear that you do that as well. Yeah, and I think it's really important. And I think you're so right. So many of us, you know, and I've had times like this doing this work where you feel like a failure. You feel like you're not doing enough or you should have done more or you tried something and people didn't turn up and et cetera, et cetera, all of that. And just, yeah, just remembering that it's not really on us. It's on Christ and just go again, and that vulnerability is where God really breaks in and does stuff. And yes, so easy to, especially as leaders, to try and avoid that vulnerability and avoid being that open. But when you do it, you see God work, and it's yeah, just you really remind people of that. I think it was really, really good what you shared. Thank you. And it, like one of the big themes of the conference was about how do we stay hope filled, and um, I'm by nature like a really hopeful very positive person but the, there are times I can think of at least three occasions over the kind of 25 years that we've been working there where it's just kind of when I lose my positivity it's a massive crash <laughs> like it's a huge, very high place of positivity to, positivity to fall from and, and, I, and I guess it's in those moments where you just go I've just got to rely on my friends I've got to rely on God we've got and, and it's and, and it's it's in those deep, most difficult times when you learn the deepest truths about God and about his church and his community. 
I, I can lend you a dose of my healthy cynicism if you want, Chris. We can we can balance each other out. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I love Chris. You know, you talk. Um, one of the stories that you told about um, you know uh, different things that are happening in the estate, and one comment that you made was that. Um, all your best stories happen at the times when you feel the weakest and um, I, I think that that's that's a really interesting observation there isn't it um, because I wonder if actually we would love to have wouldn't we all the brilliant stories without that weakness we, we want the stories to be like we we went in and we did this brilliant thing and it was hugely successful and then this person became a Christian and this is the amazing story um, but that that kind of juxtaposition of we felt really weak and vulnerable and then God just did something that was really cool you know that that was transformational for somebody in that moment yeah. um I, I love that there's something really beautiful but fragile about that and and it's almost like the beauty of it is because it's so fragile because like we could not have dreamt this up it must be god and it, that's a holy space isn't it because when we're watching god at work like that and we are attentive to it and we just kind of see and notice and go oh I would never have done that God but here you are at work and um and and it's it is like we're invited into this holy space aren't we and it's a bit messy and it's unexpected and and we maybe feel like we don't really know what to do with it but um but what a beautiful thing to just be able to witness and I think there's a one of the big things is that you realize um it's it's never it's never over so um you you can tell a great story and then two weeks later it's completely different there's a ne- mm. an extra chapter to that story and but the important thing is to remember that you might tell a great story that then goes really badly wrong but also the opposite you might be going through an incredibly tough time but that's not the end of the story either. And then you suddenly see someone who's completely rejected Jesus. Suddenly, his life is transformed and he comes back and he's, and he's more on fire for God than ever. And so that's the, the biggest encouragement. The, 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 one of the biggest challenges, the fragility of it, that this is great, but it might not be next tomorrow or next week, is also the biggest blessing because this is really hard, but it might not be tomorrow or next week. And so it's, it's trusting God in that, that he's the consistent one in all of that. It's not the circumstances. Yeah. Yeah, and I I like that. And it, it's kind of linked to, I mean, the whole idea of present and just being present on the estate and seeing what God's doing, kind of linked, I would argue, linked very much with like a Catholic spirituality and missional understanding. Because along with that, you get this idea of journey, that people on a journey, and it's not just they put their hand up at an event and said the prayer and that's it. But like you were saying, Chris, there might be another chapter which might take you down into the valley or might take you up into the mountain. But there's this idea, this ongoingness, and you only get that with this vulnerability and this re-going back to God and this recommitment. And along with that, what you were saying, Claire, it reminds us that it's not them and us, it's us and us. And we're all there to discern what God is doing. And we're all there and we have extra chapters which are good and extra chapters that are bad. And we're all there on that journey. You know, we're all 
disciples or potential disciples. Some of us happen to be leaders or whatever, but actually, yeah, us and us. And just that sense of that vulnerability is needed because we're all there to learn from each other and rely on each other. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. We're all there as followers of Jesus, aren't we? At the end of the day, none of us have got it absolutely sorted or finished yet we're all still learning fantastic thank you so much Chris um that's you know as always it's it's just such a joy to hear your stories and to sit with you and think about this stuff um so yeah thanks for bringing that 